back to old school with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Let's bring in the Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, on a day when there's plenty of news, some of it the game he loves so much. The finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the class of 2022. Those folks who made it to the finalist list, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Bryant Young. Okay, Jay Foreman, who on that list must get in? Who must get in? Um, I'll go down the list. You can tell me uh, yes, no, maybe. Okay, yes, no, maybe. Jared Allen. Uh, maybe. I mean, I think he will get in. I don't know if he's like a first ballot. I don't know if this is his first ballot. Willie Anderson. Yeah. Willie Anderson. Uh, same thing. Okay. Rondé Barber. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll all like get in. Tony Baselli. No. <laughs> Thank I don't think so. I knew you. I knew that was coming. Leroy Butler. Um. Yes. Devin Hester. Yes, for sure. Tory Holt. Yes. Andre Johnson. Yes, first ballot. Sam Mills. Hmm. Oh uh, yeah. Richards. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I I, I think. I we understand. Zach Thomas needs to be in before him. Okay. Well, I mean, Zach's next on the list. Zach Thomas. Yes. Demarcus Ware. Uh, yes. Reggie Wayne. Um, he will, but I'm not. I mean, I think there's a, I think there's other guys that, um, um, I think there's other guys that are better that should get in before him. Patrick Willis. Oh, yeah, for sure. Who gets in first, Patrick Willis or Zach Thomas? Uh, Patrick Willis. They should go in together, but Patrick Willis should be in. Bryant Young. Uh, uh, no. Torrey Holt, first ballot? No. Reggie Wayne, first ballot? No. Richard Seymour, first ballot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be super interesting to watch this thing play out. Um, the, the pairings that they put together made it quite simple, um, very simple. They were kind of identifying folks. But uh, is there anybody on that who did not make the final list that should have? You guys, there, there are several guys that could have been on the list that didn't make it in. Well, not that I could think. I mean, I'd have to look at the list. Um, you know, Reggie Rain was great. It's just, you know, it's, I, I think a lot of these, like, new age guys, their stats are a little bit overblown versus, say, like, you know, like like Art Monk and those guys where they weren't getting as many games or opportunities. The game's totally different. You know, like, you, you know, you can catch a, you know, you can't, 
you know, guard him as close, you know, so forth and so on. I mean, you know, there's talk of Julian Edelman, Edelman as great as he was in the playoffs getting in the, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, it's a little bit too much right now. Well, that's that's the three that I put him in the class with. I put Edelman in the, with the class with Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden, who, who you know, there are folks who say that they, they belonged in, belong in. What do, what do you think about those three, Edelman, Smith, Bolden? Uh, I think Steve Smith would get in um, because, uh, you know, he's one, he's on TV. Um, two, he's played such a long career at Carolina, and then he had a really good couple years with the, the Ravens. Um, and he deserves it. I mean, he's a heck of a punt returner or a special teams guy as well. Um, and they don't they don't take Hall of Fame votes away from him for being a bad teammate. So, um and a bad dude, and uh, so you know. And plus, he's on TV right now, so he'll get that. That accelerates the the process for those dudes. Um, but he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'd be very surprised with his first ballot, but you know who knows. Devin Hester, Brian Mitchell, Steve Tasker, rank them. Uh, well, they're different. Steve Tasker is probably, uh, I guess, the icon for coverage guys. You know. Um, I think Slater for New England has probably surpassed him, but okay. I, I, Steve Tasker is obviously that dude right now. Larry Wiggum was that good too, but he didn't have the longevity as a, those two. So Steve Tasker is different at special teams. Brian Mitchell is the godfather of kick return and punt returns, but Devin Hester is that guy as far as taking it to the house call. So and uh, so I mean I think probably Devin Hester gets in. Maybe before the other two, but the other two that we mentioned, Brian Mitchell and Steve Tasker, definitely deserve to get in there. In your mind, who who are the, who are there people out there that you think should be higher on the list, more talked about when it comes to being in the, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Oh, uh, I mean, of course, I think my dad should. I mean, it's uh, you know when you're a four-time All-Pro and league MVP and all that stuff, and I'm sure it's other stats or whatever. It's just it's just surprising, but it's you know. It's, other guys, um, you know, as far as like in the modern day, um, you know, as long as Andre gets in, I think deservedly so. I think he should be able to get in, and then everybody else will kind of get in, whatever the owners, you know, call in favors and decide these guys need to be in. So um, the process is a little different now that uh, you know there's TV, there's money into it, and and, and it being a little bit of the outside looking in and be very close seeing my dad go through it or whatever or not go through it, but know the ins and outs is definitely not, you know, by votes. It's definitely, you know, ownership has to kind of push you and it depends on when they do and when they choose to or when they choose not to do it. Let me ask you about guys like Steve Atwater. Yeah, I mean, he was a great player. I mean, you think about him, Troy Palomalo. I mean, he was a tempo setter, I think, uh, you know, Super Bowl champion. You know, big safety. You know, it was really good to see Kenny Easley get in, um, who kind of went, you know, kind of went, you know, unnoticed for so long. And I don't know why, because he was so good. But um, those guys go in, and, and uh, Steve Atwater is right there. I mean, he's definitely deserved it. So he made plays on the ball, too. But, you know, obviously, that, you know, he had an iconic play, obviously, there when he hit, you know, uh, Christian Akori. But, you know, that was just a small, very, very small sample size of how great he was. Let's talk about the Huskers that that should be in that conversation. We start that list with Roger Craig. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, being a good football player hurts a, a guy like Roger Craig or like, uh, you know, my dad or like Eric Metcalf where, you know, there you, you could do more than one thing and you could do more than one thing great. But then, you know, when you lay it down, you don't have enough stats to go in as a receiver. You don't have enough stats to go in as a as a, as a a runner. Um, they've always had, you know, the San Francisco had three or four backs. They had brother Ricky Waters, then you had Roger Craig, then you had Tom Rathman. All of them kind of were splitting carries. But Roger was, you know, was in it. It was really, really good. Um, and, you know, he won a ton of Super Bowls. It's just a matter of the emphasis being put on it. I'd like to see some of the guys that, um, that Roger Craig and my dad and like, you know, even Terry Metcalf paved the way for go to bat for some of these guys because, um, you know, just take my dad out of it so people don't think it's biased. The thing of Roger Craig, you know, then you think of Marshall Falk, right? Now Marshall Falk took what Roger Craig did and, and it was like on steroids, but Roger Craig was that dude. And, um, you know, it's really, you know, it's really interesting that it used to be, you know, what type of winner you were, and you kind of get bumped up, and and now that's kind of, you know, been, I would say pushed aside, but it's not emphasis as emphasized as much, and now it's, you know, a lot on stats and stuff, and so, you know, I think it's a little bit unfair considering how, uh, you know, how great he was and how big a part he was into the San Francisco offense because. You know they, you know they, they had a good offensive line, but not a great. But then they figured out a way to use, you know, him to um, offset their lack of ability, a lack of ability to run from a conventional uh, run style. Jay, what's the the John Madden legacy? Is it coaching? Is it broadcasting? Is it the game? How would you rank those things? Well, I think it's, I think it's everything. I mean, he was a phenomenal coach. Never had a losing season. It's amazing that. Uh, you know, he was such a great coach, and Al Davis figured out a way to run him out of town and make him stop coaching. It's just the funniest <laughs> thing ever. You have the you have the the one of the most iconic coaches of all time, and you somehow, some way, have made it to the point that where he decided, you know, I don't even want to do this anymore. And I don't even really think the Raiders have ever kind of rebounded from it. You know, and they've had like little glimpses here and there, of you know, going to Super Bowl with Gruden and all that. Or, you know, or you know, with uh, when Gruden was almost to the Super Bowl and then obviously the year after, but it's, they've kind of been in a tailspin ever since. And then, you know, he was a great broadcaster, great businessman, and he was a great person. You know, the funny thing is I remember my grandma talking about John Madden and talking about when the Vikings played the Raiders and, and Bud Grant had – my dad talked about the three Super Bowls. That was the one he said he knew – that the majority of his teammates weren't ready to play against the Raiders because they went to like this pre-Super Bowl dinner. Bud Grant said, you got to show up and look nice and suits and everything. He said that John Madden told the Raiders to show up in like, you know, leather jackets and with chains and, and look like the, you know, the Hell's Angels because they're trying to intimidate him. But my dad told a story that John Madden came up to him in the locker room after and said, you know, told me a ton of respect for me. He said their whole defensive game plan was to stop my dad. But, you know, my, I guess like during the sideline, on the sideline, you know, John Madden was like, you know, you got to hit him in his legs and break his <laughs> legs or whatever. And he said, you know, he apologized to my dad, but they say, I mean, he was a great person. My dad had a ton of respect for him. Um, he brought a lot of different people together and a lot of different from a different like background. So that lets you know that he was a good dude in the sense of he, he didn't see, you know, definitely didn't see any color, but didn't see any anything wrong with somebody coming from, you know, maybe like not like a, a different college or maybe had some issues, you know, off the field. 
Um, and he was a leader of men, and and all the guys that played for him loved him to death, and it would play, you know, through a brick wall for him. And, uh, you know, then obviously the, with the Madden game, I think he grew the game of football through that game. I, I mean, you don't know how many nights being up and playing that game and listening to him commentate and hear him say the same things that we saw or heard on the video game versus what we heard, you know, him say on, you know, a Sunday with Pat Summerall. I always think about when the Giants would play the Eagles and it would be kind of November, December, it'd be gray and he'd be, you know, it'd be a big game. It'd be like the three or four o'clock slot and it'd be those two doing it. Of course, the Dallas uh, Cowboys and, you know, big games with Troy Aikman and them. But uh, yeah, he's an icon, man. He was, he was great. Uh, you know, for the football and the NFL, you know, while he coached and he was even better afterwards. And, uh, you know, he paved the way for a lot of guys to be up in the booth and made it fashionable. You know, um, you know, I, th- I would like to say, you know, of course, you know, you had Howard Cosell and those guys, but when John Madden got in there, you know, everybody wasn't used to, you know, he wasn't so uh, polished, but like you, you thought you needed. And the fact that he wasn't polished and he was a, you know, man's man and a dude's dude and he was up there scribbling up there, he brought so many people to the game of football that maybe didn't watch it or thought it was fun to watch for I don't know how long. So, um, yeah, he's definitely going to be missed. And, um, you know, you always kind of wondered, you know, what how he was doing health-wise because he wasn't around much. You know, he wasn't at, you know, he kind of, you know, I, I thought it was he retired abruptly from um, broadcasting, so maybe I thought like, oh, maybe he wants to kind of you know chill out a little bit. And you know, for the last couple of years, you haven't heard much of him. But then, obviously, uh, you know, he passed away unfortunately. But you know, he's definitely going to be missed and, and never without a thought. Jay, uh, we had a busy day around here. Announced a new roster, a uh, new lineup. Uh, you and I will move to the early yeah. part of the day. You ready? You ready to go? You ready to pack back? We're just going to move next door, though. You know. Yeah, I mean, I. I uh, been here. I mean, people have been asking me what's going on. I've been uh, busy, but uh, looks like you guys had some, uh, you know, big announcements and stuff. It was like, uh, um, you, you know, like you uh, as of a Friday Friday Night Lights or that. Remember they used to do the, uh, you know, the the thing when uh, you know basketball March Mad or basketball at, at midnight. So yep, midnight. I think I heard Mark uh, do the announcements and stuff. So it's either. Uh, he either used to announce some high school games or um, or is, is really worked on it. It sounded pretty good. Yeah, it's um, we're looking forward to it. Now you got to get up early, or you at least got to plan immediately after you drop off the folks in the morning. We'll move to the 8 to 11, take them through and get them through. Brother, uh, have an amazing New Year's. Be safe. Uh, we will see you Monday morning, 8 a.m. All right, man. Take it easy. That's the Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. I just it, the idea of Jake Sip and Jay Foreman in a crossover segment, just man, man, you kidding me? Y'all, y'all better pay attention. <laughs> One final segment of 2021 on Old School 937 the ticket. You're listening to Old School with DP and Jay. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.